0: Yo, what's up, podcast friends? Welcome back. I know it's been a while since you have heard from us, but we are excited because we have new episodes that are going to be dropping every single Monday. So stay tuned. We got fire, fire episodes coming, including this one with Dr. Melanie Bone. This episode is on medical marijuana. My thoughts on this subject over the last few years have really changed. Um, it's a taboo subject, but I think medical literature, medical evidence, is really catching up and showing that there is some benefit to using medical marijuana um, especially for people with uh, things like chronic pain and Dr. Melanie Bone is sharing with us today her experience and how she has been prescribing medical marijuana to patients and how they have benefited she's very well informed on the subject very ethical and very responsible in her practice and I thought it was a very insightful conversation I tried to keep it balanced, and I tried to ask the the right questions to make sure we weren't getting biased, and I think you guys will like this episode. As always, I have to shout out our favorite brand, Metalita. If you wear wimpy scrubs, or if you know someone who wears wimpy scrubs, and you know what I mean by wimpy scrubs, and you need to toss them in the trash or return them to your hospital and go to metalita.com and get yourself... A nice professional pair of scrubs. Ditch them wimpy looking things. Nobody looks good in those. Go to metalita.com. Get something that fits right. Get something that's quality material and something that you're going to feel good in. And see how your day changes. Because when you look good, you feel good, you work good. And if you know any friends that wear wimpy scrubs, get them a pair too. They'll appreciate it. All right, guys, go to Mediolita.com. You can get the baddest, nicest, most professional-looking pair of scrubs. Now we're going to get into the episode with Dr. Melanie Um,
1: Unfortunately, I was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer Mm -hmm. right before I turned 40, and I ended up with mastectomies, chemo, radiation. I've been through a lot of things on both sides of the equation, patient Mm -hmm. and doctor, and I then found out I have the BRCA gene. Mm. and so I became a big national spokesperson about BRCA awareness back in the 90s and well now actually it wasn't in the 90s I, I was diagnosed in 2000 so it was in the very early 2000s so I would go around and speak at doctor's offices telling them about BRCA and I learned a lot from that mm. because I would get ignored yelled at you know, told I didn't know what I was talking about. And now getting tested for hereditary cancer syndromes is commonplace. Oh, so wow. it was kind of good to be on the way, the, the crest of that. I really enjoyed that. It was a big learning experience. And I think that's what makes me willing to take some of the chances that other doctors aren't. Yeah. So the reason I'm interested in marijuana, which I will share with you, I don't know how pertinent it is, is that my one child that I sent away for all the marijuana use ended up with Stevens Johnson syndrome, mm, oh yeah. which terrible mm-hmm. in the ICU. For people that don't to,
0: know what that is, what is that?
1: A severe allergic reaction, and it acts like a burn. Yeah. He looked like his body was burned with a torch, mm-hmm. and it was just came from all inside as an allergic reaction, and I he got it from a medicine that he was taking because I refused to believe that marijuana had anything good to it mm. long and short he has never been able or willing to take another medication again based on the fear of a recurrence oh, wow. and I can imagine back.
0: that's a, it's not a joke
1: oh it's not a joke it mm. was his fever was like 107 to 108 it, it was oh, horrible wow. Wow. and we were I don't we know were fevers
0: at, could even go
2: that high
1: Yeah. And we were at at Duke and in the ICU and they were like, no, this is bad. But so he said to me, you know, you can send me away. You can do whatever you want. But the thing that helps me with my anxiety and my mood the best is marijuana. Wow. And that's how I came to understand that it isn't always just about recreation. Mm -hmm. And from there, our relationship has evolved. and, And now we have My child is a marijuana brand advisor and Mm. helps develop marijuana brands and had a kombucha and tea company Mm. and works as an advisor to the industry there at a whopping 20. So he kind of introduced
0: you to all this.
1: Yeah, he introduced me. And uh, uh, now, just through watching patients, how well they do. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan mm-hmm. and I, like we said before, It's not all as great, but you're, if you're realistic about your expectations, it can be very helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. And did, did you ever use this when you were going through, um, the breast cancer?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. No, I was a straight arrow. I didn't even like drink alcohol hard. So that
0: was still prior to you discovering the yes. benefits of
1: marijuana. So, you know, I mean, I was one of those rare and very lucky people who never got sick once despite heavy-duty adriamycin and chemo, and mm. I just, I don't know, I was lucky, but I see people who are not as lucky as I was, and I see marijuana helping them a lot, mm-hmm. and, and more than the synthetic cannabinoids that we currently have FDA-approved, mm. okay. which, you know, is a whole whole big issue about...
0: Yeah. How we have
1: some that are FDA approved, but marijuana is not.
0: Right. Yeah. But you
1: didn't tell me quickly how you got to do this. Like what's, I'm curious about that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) it's kind of interesting. I thought that I just saw an opportunity, I guess. I guess I saw a lot of people posting information that I thought, I thought the people that were posting certain information weren't really credible. And that there was a lot of virality going around um information that we couldn't really trust, so I wanted to create a space or 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 i guess a space for people to go to to get their information in a way that's very you know easy to listen to informative educational. I kind of wanted to combine that entertainment and education aspect and and also make it a trusted source of information for people so they know hey you know we're going here and these are experts these are physicians these are thought leaders these are people that know what they're talking about not some random wizard online that's spewing some whatever and talking about anti-vaccination and things like that so i really wanted to just kind of bring some relative you know Information, evidence based, and you know things that are beyond medicine. There's a reason that I I believe that you know I I believe in Eastern medicine, I believe in Western medicine, I believe Mm -hmm. in healing, integrative medicine. I believe in you know not just the conventional things that we think about when we think about medicine. So I wanted to bring an element of that as well.
2: That's right.
0: All right. So how did you how did you get it all started in the in the in this interesting. area of medicine that you're in right now which is really fascinating because all this new evidence is coming out and saying what people have been saying sort of for a while and we kind of denied it in the medical field for for quite a bit and uh now we're seeing all these benefits and people are actually really doing well on this and uh so how exactly did you get started in treating people with marijuana
1: okay so as i um may have explained, I have a child, I have four children, but my one child had a lot of social anxiety issues in school and really ended up abusing marijuana. And we can talk about that more. Mm -hmm. But in the process of trying to understand why and how this child was using marijuana, I came to understand that it was the only thing that helped social anxiety. Fast forward to (coughs) wondering whether I had the wool pulled over my eyes by a child who was trying to get me to condone marijuana use for this social anxiety. I started to see people that he was friends with and then patients coming into the office here there talking about medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I said let me educate myself. So I started reading and reading and more reading. And what I came to understand is the complexities of marijuana are astonishing. Understanding even the basics of endocannabinoid system, receptors, modulators, how everything interacts. Mm -hmm. What I said was, this is something. This is not the concept of, wow. They just like to get high and yeah. they want me to approve of them getting high.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And from there, I've really been able to educate. And I said, you know what? I want to start helping some of these people. And I really had no idea of how to do it. But I got a small office space with a desk and a chair.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: it. And I made a deal with the people. And I said, if I I pay you like $10 a patient, can I just see some patients there? Mm-hmm. And I started out and I would try to explain everything that I had learned from studying to every patient. And I was in there for over an hour with every patient, and I got through about an eighth of what I wanted to get through, and they looked like the deer in the headlights. They didn't mm-hmm. understand anything. So from there, I started thinking there's there's gotta be a better way. I started writing educational materials for patients. I started telling myself, you know, the complexities of marijuana It's like teaching somebody about wine. The first time you say there's red wine, there's white wine, there's champagne. Mm -hmm. But you don't go into there's Chardonnays and there's Burgundies and then there's different harvests and varietals. But eventually, as you get more comfortable with I like white wine, then you say, well— do I like white wine from France or from California?
0: So you're getting and, really specific with people. as
1: Right. Um, and you start out very broad, mm-hmm. and then you narrow in as they get more experience. Mm, and you okay. learn more experience from their experience. So right. the one thing about this kind of medicine is as as I got involved, I found the patients were teaching me as much as I was teaching the patients.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, some people that smoke marijuana on a regular basis... Um, know a lot about marijuana
1: it's amazing you know I took a tour after I got really involved the dispensaries in Florida all the Florida products are seed to sale so -hmm. they have to the same company has to grow and harvest process and then sell so you can see the whole process It's, it's very interesting and I went and did a tour of a grow facility it, it was unbelievable, and then I started learning about the different types of um, processing of the marijuana plant, how they know how much CBD is in it, how much THC, what the terpene profile is, and then you go to one of the dispensaries to check it out, and what you see is there are a lot of young people in dispensaries, and they know a lot about a lot of marijuana. Even marijuana is not in the dispensary. Mm-hmm. they'll and. So there are people who are like sommeliers of marijuana. Mm-hmm. They're called bud tenders, right? And mm-hmm. they, they tell patients and they help educate patients. Yeah. But, but one of the issues that I find as a marijuana practitioner from that score is when you take somebody who's a newbie, never had marijuana, never tried mm-hmm. it, you have to be cautious that the people at the dispensary aren't so enthusiastic that they go for something a little more... Stronger, potent than what we might have intended in mm, our okay. order mm-hmm. and that's that's another like one of the pitfalls of marijuana
0: because mm, then they can get real freaked out and stuff
1: right oh of <laughs> course you, you have to have videos what do you do when you get too high yeah <laughs> you know yeah it's, it's true because some of the marijuana that's available now like especially stuff on the street it's mm-hmm. like 90% THC, mm-hmm. which is only good for a very small number of disorders.
2: Right. And
1: uh, people who accidentally get a 90% THC that have never seen marijuana can get really sick.
2: Really?
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So, what's the science behind it right now? What's kind of like the most, what's like the new emerging science behind uh, marijuana use and the benefits it can have medicinally?
1: Right. So marijuana is, it's almost like that miracle plant. A lot of people call it the magical plant because it has so many applications in medicine. Probably the one you hear about the most would be chronic pain, Mm -hmm. back pain, arthritis, fibromyalgia. And certainly there's no question that marijuana has a major applicability in chronic pain syndromes. And the reason is because We have receptors both in our brain and in our body and other places, what we call peripheral receptors, Mm -hmm. where these molecules um, actually have the ability to decrease pain. It's not that they're masking our ability to feel the pain. They go to the very heart of the pain. They're very good at anti-inflammation as well. And since a lot of our pain is an inflammatory pain, you know, inflammation is the the key word now mm-hmm. that's yeah. used everywhere, right. both the THC and the CBD in particular, and well, CBD is actually a misnomer. It's many, many cannabinoids mm-hmm. that we call CBD, but it's actually CBD is a basket full of letters mm-hmm. yeah. of, of CBC, CBG, CBN, and those tend to be excellent for anti-inflammation. Mm. And it's the THC part that gets. Have applied. we
0: always known this about CBD?
1: You know, I or, think, or at least was,
0: about the uh, the endocannabinoid system.
1: Oh, I don't think everybody's <clears throat> known that much about the endocannabinoid system. So the first person to isolate THC was um, Dr. Mechoulam, an Israeli gentleman, mm-hmm. and now. Israel is at the forefront of all marijuana research, really. They they have extensive marijuana research for everything from cancer to pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's happened is across the world, in places where marijuana is more easily obtained and the government is more open to it, there there is research. In this country, you know, we do have, um, you know, this... Tidal wave that will engulf the country, where the country will go nationally. I think legal for medical marijuana. Certainly, mm-hmm. well, it's already I, started, right? Yeah, we're like at about thirty yeah. something. Michigan just became right
0: legal just the other day.
1: Yeah, I mean, every My time I state, isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think we're at thirty-three states, and actually, um, Governor Cuomo in New York has decided that he really wants to go recreational we don't call it recreational we call it adult legal use Uh um but because it is brings in so much money to the states like billions of dollars in tax revenue Mm -hmm. and therefore just from a financial standpoint i think marijuana will become legal it's worth too much money Mm -hmm. for it not to
0: well that's part of the problem too now though don't you think because there is a system there also is a lot of profitability around it
1: Yeah. So, of course, there's a lot of profitability. Mm -hmm. So one, I mean, down the line, one of two things I think is going to happen in states where you have legal adult use and medicinal use, uh, for example, Oregon, let's say, Mm -hmm. uh, a patient who's a medical patient goes into one door of the dispensary and a legal adult or recreational use patient goes in another. The one with the card doesn't pay tax on their product. The one Um, who's trying to use just to get high, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: pays 20% tax, Mm -hmm. 25 huge amounts of tax. And therefore, it's an attempt to keep the medicinal side alive. Mm -hmm. Because I don't ever want to see that go by the wayside. Mm -hmm. I, I think that younger people coming up that are being exposed to marijuana at a young age and feel comfortable with navigating the strains, the strengths, et cetera, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But my average patient right now is between sixty and eighty.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: And they I don't think they have enough experience with it in their lives to Feel comfortable walking in the average dispensary, looking at all the stuff under the glass cabinets and say, oh, yeah, I want that sativa and I'll have some of that indica. So there will always be a place for educators for the medicinal side. And because there are many, many people who really want to be guided Mm -hmm. and they want to be given a a dose advice and they want to be um, delivery system advice and they don't want to be left on their own to just explore. Mm-hmm. But we're in we're in a really rapidly changing time with marijuana and and so you never know in another month it may look the landscape may look different. I mean mm-hmm. today there was passage of the farm bill which legalizes industrial hemp mm-hmm. and that will again change the face <laughs> of what we're doing because CBD yeah. is a ridiculously large market now. Oh, yeah. But the problem we have with CBD is that You have great product and you have lousy product. And uh, a a person I know who does uh, investigations for even the FDA took product, I think 18 different products off the shelf. Mm -hmm. And I think two of them actually had what they said they had in it.
2: Mm And the rest
1: of them were nothing. They didn't Mm -hmm. really even have CBD or they had very dilute CBD Mm -hmm. or they had CBD that was contaminated with heavy metals. And because it's a plant, it absorbs things from the water. You have to be really cautious. Mm-hmm.
0: Sort of a similar prob- problem with uh, with supplements because a lot of them are not regulated by the FDA. And so you don't know exactly what's, what you're getting or what's in your products unless they're going through kind of like a third-party system that checks what is in right. the product, um, which right. at some point I'm sure is going to be developed for for cannabis.
1: Right. And believe it or not, there are testing labs now. Mm-hmm. And they're doing extremely well. But the problem is, who's regulating the testing labs, right? right yeah. And, and um, when my child was making kombucha infused with marijuana, I'm telling you, they would take samples and send them to two or three testing labs, same product, same batch, same everything. They came out with different results.
2: Oh, right. So
1: that's mm. a little bit of a That's interesting. A pro- yeah, it's a bit of a problem. But if you give it all over to the FDA... I mean, to be honest, do you trust Mm -hmm. our FDA to do a great job doing that? I I think some things the FDA does are great, but there have been times when the FDA has approved products that they then later recall. right? Or they won't let something through that should be Mm -hmm. very obviously from our standpoint as physicians be approved of. And and so I just look at the whole cannabis thing. So you know, Epidiolex is a, a really interesting example. marijuana I don't know if you know about that, but marijuana is a Schedule One drug, which means it's in the same category as heroin and methamphetamines and cocaine. I mean, there's no kind of ridiculous, use- right? Well, okay, yeah. But this is how and this. This is a historic thing that happened, and mm-hmm. it goes way back to... But why was why has it been the,
0: labeled as, as such a...
1: Well, the story of why it got mm-hmm. labeled is really, really long, but suffice to say that it was economic. Mm-hmm. There were people who did not want to let the hemp industry get big, because hemp can be made into paper. They wanted to have logging be more profitable, and so they wanted to take off the market anything that would make hemp be very successful because hemp and marijuana really are the same plant, they're, but they're different um, types of the plant, one higher natively in THC than the other.
2: Mm.
1: But so hemp was being bred more for medicinal purposes, marijuana more for medical and recreational, religious, et cetera purposes, right? And then fast forward to I guess the, one of the best times is to look at during the Vietnam War when there was the big war on drugs and that whole concept of reefer madness came out mm. and they just put a big crunch on, um, on marijuana. But in fact, I, I believe it was uh, Nixon who commissioned a big study on marijuana and it came out that it was completely safe, excellent, should be approved of, it was in many, many drugs up through to like about the 1930s. Mm-hmm. We used marijuana in a lot of things. Yeah. But they, they took this big report called the Schaefer Report, I guess,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he just threw it in a drawer yeah. and said, I'm going to ignore that, and I'm going to say that marijuana is terrible. And in fact, it was called cannabis, right? But they ended up calling it marijuana, like marijuana. Mm-hmm. So it would seem like it was Foreign. Oh, oh, it's really, right? It's really crazy. But they yeah, it's pretty funny. So now what they ended up doing is they say, okay, it's Schedule One. So you can't study anything with Schedule One Mm -hmm. unless you do it through this permission from the FDA and permission from NIDA, the National Institute of Drug Abuse, right? Mm -hmm. There's a really famous doctor out in Arizona, Sue Sesley. She's Mm -hmm. like the person who studies marijuana she has a schedule one there's a lot of interesting
0: people on arizona
1: oh she's an amazing person yeah but it took her over a year to even get permission to do a study and then over a year to get nida to approve her to get the marijuana to do the studies on ptsd and vets Mm -hmm. she almost lost her funding pretty much because she was taking too long to start the study Mm -hmm because the government was making it hard. And then she she tells this very funny story of how when the government finally approved of it, they sent her in like a FedEx or a UPS truck, this box, and she opened it up and she said, it looked kind of a little moldy and it looked like like old dead tree leaves. (laughs) It, It didn't even look like marijuana. But we only have one strain of marijuana that we allow to be studied in this country, grown at one facility in the University of Mississippi. So you're... The government is not fostering a lot of good studies that could then convince the FDA to consider taking over it. Mm -hmm. The problem is if they take over. Would it even be a good thing if
0: they they took over, though?
1: I don't know if it's good or bad, because Mm. big pharma will then get involved. Mm,
0: Yeah, that's never a good thing.
1: Right. So Mm -hmm. those of us who practice kind of don't want the FDA to interfere because it could be the seeds of its own demise if you yeah. let the FDA interfere. The the thing is if you look at it from this standpoint, no one has ever died of a marijuana overdose, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's an incredibly safe drug. Yes, there are things that can happen if you don't use it right yeah. or you use too much, etc. But look at alcohol.
0: I mean, yeah, comparatively I mean, it is so benign. Like compared It's very to,
1: benign compared, compared to, to alcohol.
0: opioids, compared to benzos, compared to whatever I mean, my right. my viewpoint on marijuana has changed drastically in the last couple of years, and now it's clinically seeing it. I see it pretty frequent clinically, especially now on sports medicine, people dealing with uh, musculoskeletal injuries and and dealing with the pain. Especially as as uh, there's a there's a new clinic over here that's now administer you know basically getting the, the entire community on uh, CBD oil, and a right. lot of patients. Are now using it and they're benefiting, and I'm, and we're like, yeah, you know, hey, if it's helping you and it's working, why not?
1: Why not? I agree. So, what I do as a practitioner, because I I agree with you, when a patient comes in and has a consult, it's going to take them two or three weeks to get their marijuana card because we have to help them apply. They have to wait for the state to approve them. We have to send in whatever paperwork in addition. So what happens is I usually say to them, I think we should try you on some hemp-derived CBD, full spectrum. We can get into what that means while you're waiting. Mm. And What's diff- the what's what's difference what, between that between and, yeah. and other things? Okay, so let me just say that, as I said, CBD is many different cannabinoids, but they're not the psychoactive one like THC. So when you go into a store and you want to buy CBD, you'll see a couple of different styles. You might see something called isolate. Isolate means it is isolated CBD. It doesn't have all the other ones. It would not have any traces of THC. We I use CBD isolate in firefighters and law enforcement agents and people that will be having testing that want to see if they can benefit from it but don't want to have any risk. In terms of having testing turn positive for THC, right?
0: Mm, okay, and so so it's, you're getting just the CBD benefits. There's no plain. THC, so this is no. like as clean as you yeah. can get. There's no as reason to you know
1: worry or anything. Yeah, the thing is, I would say it's slightly less effective because mm-hmm. what makes the magic plant work is all the different things working together, called mm-hmm. the entourage effect. Mm. But you have to reality is reality a school teacher wants to try it i don't want that school teacher to endanger their job right. at all so we try isolate what is from I isolate uh, i'm sorry
0: no no go ahead I'm, i want to get to the entourage effect but I yeah we'll get finish. there yeah. so
1: from isolate we wait we might go to there's something of very interesting nuances broad spectrum full spectrum okay broad spectrum would be it has more of the different cannabinoids cbc cbg whatever is in their product. And yet it wouldn't necessarily have the full spectrum. Full spectrum has everything and it might even have a little bit of THC. Uh, It's funny, you can have some patients who take large quantities of CBD full spectrum. They don't get high, but they'll tell you they feel something a little psychoactive if they take enough of it, Mm -hmm. you know, when we use it in Parkinson's patients or, um, epilepsy patients, sometimes the ones that take a lot of full spectrum CBD will say, it's not like feeling high, but it's not like, I don't feel anything. I'm very calm. And I feel like this good, it's a good feeling, not a bad feeling. Mm -hmm. And, um, so are are they just,
0: are they taking that in dose like in frequent doses, or are they, they are constantly taking it, or are they only taking it intermittently?
1: Right. So it deb- that would depend on their diagnosis. So mm-hmm. I have some people who take what I call like vitamin CBD every day before they go to work. They take mm-hmm. some CBD. Okay. Chronic yeah. back pain, chronic anxiety. They don't want to take uh, an SSRI. And so they take some CBD in the morning, long acting in a capsule form, and they may or may not take a second dose when they come home at night. That's Mm -hmm. pretty common. And those doses might be 10 to 25 milligrams twice a day. But you get an epilepsy patient or a Parkinson's patient. I have a Parkinson's patient that um, he buys 7,000 milligrams at a time. Yeah, because he can take even 300 in a day. If I give you or me 300 in a day, we'll fall asleep. It'll just probably make us (laughs) too tired. (laughs) So, and then there's so many ways to do it. Like you can take capsules. That Mm -hmm. seems pretty easy to do. But again, remember capsule does release it. It goes to your liver and you always risk ending up with something a little different than what you took in in your mouth. But you can do drops sublingual or on the tongue Mm
2: -hmm. around
1: the buccal mucosa, absorb some and then some goes down through the stomach. You can do nano-CBD now, nanoparticle size, where it's claimed that it gets absorbed in the esophagus before it ever gets to the stomach Hmm. because the particle size is so tiny.
0: That's interesting.
1: Well, how do we know? So the big problem right now is we have no way to test a blood level and say, you took 25 milligrams of CBD and your level is X.
0: So there's no blood test for it right no now. No
1: blood test right now. Okay. So we go based on how do you feel?
0: Okay. You think if we you can? Feel, can we develop a blood test? Where is that possible?
1: It's. I think of, we'll get there. There are things that are still in study stages, and it's sometimes indirect measurements through levels of um, the fatty acid uh, and hydrolase. Mm. I think that's how you say it. That enzyme is directly related to the amounts of the 2-AG and AEA, which are the ligands for the internal receptors of CBD, basically is the way to explain it. Mm-hmm. But we, we don't have any direct, easy measurement yet. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like hormones is what I tell people. When I give people estrogen for hot flashes, mm-hmm. I can ask them, are your hot flashes better? Mm-hmm. Now I can measure blood level. If the blood level is still really low, but their hot flashes are gone, do I increase their estrogen just to make their number look better? Or do I say, well, you feel good. That's fine.
0: Right. You do and that. We just,
1: and that's right. what makes sense. So that's why I think gynecologists are really good at marijuana because we're used to going for outcomes as opposed to numbers. Mm, okay. I mean, it will be useful eventually. You know, mm-hmm. You have somebody coming in and they're taking hundreds of milligrams a day and not feeling any better are they resistant to it is that do they have a very high level and we're just barking up the wrong tree and we need to change our, mm-hmm. our approach to that person's treatment. But we're, we're in the infancy mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's not an easy thing. And what I would say is the other part is, as we talked about, you were asking me the entourage effect. Yeah, yeah. So there's not going to be a way to measure the entourage effect. So what is, what is the
0: entourage effect?
1: So the entourage effect is when you look at marijuana as a plant, It has THC, which gets you high, all the other cannabinoids, which we kind of label CBD because it's too confusing to talk about them each individually at this point. Mm -hmm. And then these things called terpenes. So terpenes are what make lemons smell like lemon and taste like lemon. Those are terpenes, yellow, color, bright, Mm -hmm. energetic. That's limonene. That's the terpene limonene. And then For instance, lavender is something called linalool, and there are many of them. One you would really know well is called pinene. It's what makes pine cones smell Mm -hmm. like pine. And, you know, when you inhale that pine evergreen, it's very opening to your passages. Believe it or not, pinene is very good for the lungs.
2: Mm, Really?
1: Very good for the lungs. So you can even treat asthma, for example, in some patients it's not a contraindication to using the marijuana because if they use a mm-hmm. pinene terpene, it will be good for their lungs. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when you combine the THC, the CBD, and the terpenes into this mash, that's called the entourage effect. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are going to need a lot more of this side of it, and some people are going to need a lot more of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It gets very confusing, <laughs> and yet, when you go down to the biochemical level, it makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. which is, I don't know if you ever heard this, but young kids will say, oh yeah, I ate a mango when I smoked pot and I got more relaxed Mm -hmm. because the mango has terpenes in it that are relaxing terpenes that work hand in hand with what's in the marijuana.
2: Mm.
0: What about people that eat like a bunch of hot Cheetos?
1: Hot cheese. <laughs> so yeah, you know what that—that's. Hey, I get asked that every single day. I don't want to get fat if I go on marijuana. I yeah. get it every day. Everybody so the munchies every, and all that. Right. So we generally associate the munchies with a strain of marijuana called indica, mm-hmm. which people say, "How do I know what that is?" I go, "Just think of indica couch." Mm-hmm. People who use indica just want to sit on the couch and eat. Mm, okay. Whereas sativas, uh, the other major strain, tend to be more uplifted and energized, actually very good for ADD patients. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have used um, sativas on ADD folks that they don't need their Adderall anymore. They take a quick hit of a sativa or a sativa hybrid, and they can work very concentrated for many hours at a time. Really? And that's just because of the strain but what we're moving toward in marijuana. Is there, is
0: there literature on this yet, or is this still kind of like anecdotal? anecdotal?
1: Well, I mean, I can tell you that you can look again at studies outside of the United States, things published on PubMed Mm -hmm. that talk about different strains and what happened. But a lot of it is just, I would say clinical research, as opposed to Benchtop research, yeah. so there are doctors just sending all of their patients questionnaires to figure this out. So a mm-hmm. lot of it is, you know, being borne out in this um, retrospective views of patients. Yeah, yeah. And it, it definitely seems to be true. But what I would tell you, I think, eventually is sort of happening. And in the medicinal world, maybe in particular, is we're hybridizing a lot of the strains and we're mixing strains so Mm -hmm. we don't get too much one effect, too much the other effect. Mm -hmm. And I would believe that ultimately the whole concept of strain may be a cultural interest, but medicinally we may end up moving toward just what we call ratios. Mm -hmm. So how much of the CBD do you need and how much THC? Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example, one to one, half CBD, half THC. We call it a one to one.
2: Okay.
1: I call that the Advil of marijuana.
0: Okay, so you use I mean, that for pain relief, or what do you use it for? Lot,
1: yeah, pain relief. It's it's a really good basic mm-hmm. marijuana. It's it's for instance something more CBD would be good for anxiety, PTSD, all the neurologic and behavioral mood tend to fall heavier in the CBD component and then I have some people where one-to-one is not enough and they need to go higher on the THC which does a couple of things it is more psychoactive Mm -hmm. it's good for cancer for example Um, a lot of people will use a high THC indica for um, insomnia Mm -hmm. to go to sleep but they can't do that during the day because it just makes them too relaxed.
0: Hey guys, thank you for tuning into the podcast. We're going to just take a second to talk about this great promotion from our sponsor, Metalita. They know what it's like to have an active schedule and not very much free time. That is why they are offering a free at-home try-on. So if you're not 100% sure of your size or your style, you can easily order multiple things from their website at metalita.com. You can try them on at the comfort of your own home. You can keep what you like, return what you don't like, or if you want something embroidered, you can have it sent back to get it embroidered. This is all done with shipping covered by Metalita, and this is 100% risk-free. You can also get an additional 20% off by using the discount code BEYONDMEDICINE20. Now, back to the episode. Now, is it good for cancer pain or for actually treating the cancer?
1: Uh Aha, one of my favorite topics. Mm -hmm. So... Definitely, it's good for many aspects of, of cancer. Number one, nausea and vomiting. Currently, we use Marinol, for example, to stimulate appetite for poor appetite. What has been shown, and there are a bunch of studies showing that real marijuana works much better than synthetic marijuana for the most part, mm-hmm. but um, we don't have it our hands easily available In some places, anything but synthetics. So we have to use synthetics. So the marijuana can help with appetite, nausea, vomiting. And we now are coming on this new era where we're looking at marijuana to treat cancer. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So if you look, there was a guy named Rick Simpson, I think a Canadian gentleman, Mm -hmm. who crushed up marijuana plants, made this very thick Rick Simpson's oil, which was about half CBD, half THC. It's a Mm one-to-one. Put it on a squamous cell cancer and cured his own cancer. Hmm. Okay, from there there you go to that website, the, you know Rick Simpson Oil website. Okay, you can find amazing stories about people who have self-treated for cancer. Okay, with with it and benchtop research. But but the
0: I mean, are you actually are you recommending people self-treat for it? Are you not? No, yeah, I so I you, do not. I so, mean, so the that, conventional therapy. I mean we still. Yeah, I don't want anyone hearing this and just quitting their treatment and No, starting no, to no, smoke no, so- no,
1: no. <laughs> I tell people yeah. we cannot recommend marijuana as a way yeah. to treat cancer. But we can say that since we haven't seen anything bad happen to date with marijuana and cancer, I don't see anything wrong with using all of your regular treatments mm-hmm. and then during if you have a reason to use marijuana, go for it. Mm-hmm. But my I will often tell people if you want to use <clears> this as your own private treat my cancer, Yeah. wait till you do all of your treatments. Mm -hmm. And then maybe think about...
0: I know someone personally right now that would, you know, someone that would never use marijuana, never like, you know, not that kind of, not a person that you'd ever think would smoke some pot. And he's gone through some serious medical issues, serious life-threatening medical issues. And right now, the only thing he is benefiting from immensely is marijuana. And... You know, it's been kind of like a discussion going around between like kind of like some people within our family, you know, people. And it's like, wow, like this is really helping him. Like he's doing great on it. And it's a good thing. You know, why not? Like it's so ta- there's, there's there's a bit of tabooness. I guess taboo. I don't know what the right yeah, word is. No, but it it is. it's a, it's a bit a taboo. Mindset. And that once you think like, oh, it, well, there's... I, I, I'm I'm seeing two types of taboo, and one of them is like, oh, you're using that to treat cancer, that you're a quack, and then the other taboo is, uh oh, are you a pothead? Are you like, right. you know, like, right. like no, there's some like any other drug, you know, what are drugs? They're a bunch of, you know, it's the organic chemistry that you see, you know, they're okay. molecules yeah. put together in different arrangements, and they act on certain receptors within your body like any other drug that's
1: exactly right so if you look in our body we have this it's it's this little neurotransmitter we call it anandamide okay anandamide is i think sanskrit or something for bliss and it is the native thc just like our endorphins are native morphine or opiates we have native thc in our body and Some people think that the runner's high that people talk about, we always say it's the endorphins,
2: Mm -hmm. but there is
1: data. I I went to a talk where this guy was saying that they measured secondary evidence for increasing native anandamide and absolutely it happens in runners. So yeah, they're literally getting high off running. Now, the problem is because you have the reefer madness and all that, it's going to take like another generation for that to all go by the wayside. Mm -hmm. But Unfortunately, I think in this day and age, I mean, look at somebody like Wiz Khalifa, right? Mm -hmm. So Wiz's claim to fame is that Wiz is stoned like 24 hours a day, right? And people think it's funny, but... At the same time, parents looking at that. Oh gosh, report. I wish I,
0: I wish we had this on video because I wish people could see how cool you are right now. <laughs> because <laughs> because it's just as you're you're very into hip hop. You're you're very culturally like uh,
2: involved. Yeah, I have five kids. Okay, yeah. I have yeah. five kids.
0: But like no I wouldn't expect you to just bring up Wiz Khalifa in a conversation. Oh, it's awesome. There
1: you go. <laughs> well but but see people like Wiz, the problem is is it good or is it bad? I mean, I want marijuana to be used responsibly. I don't even have a problem with a kid wants to get high on a Saturday night instead of drinking a six-pack and mm. way more violent crimes occur when people use alcohol we know that mm. rapes murders etc
0: well the thing is but, we're, we're way more accepting of alcohol and look i'm someone who's never smoked i haven't i'm you know i've not done it in many 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 years yeah, and right. the fact and i've i've never i've always thought you know like it's just not for me like it's not my thing you know i've, I've known a lot of friends I that it. did it but now as i'm growing up and like I'm seeing, okay, I go out to the bars. People are always drunk. Sometimes I'm getting, you know, like sometimes people are getting in fights and people are getting no. real angry on alcohol. And I'm like, you know, like this would never happen if everybody was just smoking some pot.
1: Well, and why do you think I want to give it to all the police officers on the <laughs> CBD? Right? Because no, no, no. We would, oh truly, truly, they would be yeah. less likely to pull their gun if they were a little calmer. And mm-hmm. there's no question. Okay, so if you ask me what I truly see that marijuana calms people down and there are a lot of anxious people in this world today i mean i honestly in my regular job as a gynecologist probably one patient a day is not anxious and no. all the rest of them are anxious. you know
0: that's very true very very. it's true. crazy
1: right a lot Anxiety. of a lot
0: of a lot of people that we see even in sports medicine right now a lot i feel like a lot of their Issues are due to anxiety.
1: That's right. I mm-hmm. it's unbelievable and I feel so bad when my child that is doing great in college and will say things like, Oh, you don't know how hard it is, you don't know how stressful it is. And I, I wanna say like a typical parent, Oh, you have no idea what stress is really like until you get out there trying to support a family. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, their stressors are very real to them and they are their social media, they're technology based yeah. and Unfortunately, technology can be great letting you and I speak with one another, Mm -hmm. let us touch a a number of people, but they can be very, very intimidating. And so with anxiety going up as a public health hazard, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. the fact that we will use more CBD in the future will be helpful because I Mm -hmm. think it will help to mitigate the anxiety. And I would tell you a lot of young adults, that is why they use marijuana oh, is yeah. really for the anti-anxiety. And and the funny part about it is um, I see more and more kids now trying to get their parents to use hmm. because they say, mom, dad, you're so uptight. You should try this.
2: Hmm.
1: I, and I, I have even this week in my marijuana practice, I had two people coming in with their young adult children who had convinced them to come in for consultation because the young adult said, Mom, Dad, I think you could benefit Mm -hmm. from marijuana. So I I believe that ultimately when we all get more comfortable, you know, if marijuana had come before alcohol, Mm -hmm. we would be having this exact discussion probably about alcohol. Mm -hmm. What do you mean, you know, getting drunk, right? But alcohol came first. I mean, right now there's...
0: I mean, the next thing is going to be psychedelics. Right now, it's still very uh-huh. taboo. Psychedelics are on their way. And, you know, when I used to think of people doing acid or mushrooms or things, I'd be like, like, that's not someone I want to be like that. That's a bad crowd. But like, maybe like now my brain's like, oh, wait, they're using it to treat some uh, psychological Depression. disorders or oh, things okay. like that. And, And now I'm just realizing that all these things are just, you know, they're compounds. And if they're possibly used in the right way, there could be some benefit to using them in the right way. And I guess it's kind of just opening up the mind to, but like at the same time, you got, we always have to have that weariness and, you know, um, a bit of caution whenever it comes to anything, because... You know, too much of anything is bad, and mar- too much of marijuana, I'm sure, is bad, too, because it can lead people down to more... I mean, I've seen this happen with people I know where, you know, they started using marijuana as the, the start of, uh, you know, a way to escape the world or a way to, right. you know, cope with whatever struggles they're dealing with, and ultimately that becomes like, it's not enough, and they move on to harder things. That's, a, that's you know, a real part of the reality when we're talking about, you know, you uh, Anything and that's any drug, alcohol, uh, marijuana, opioids, benzo, anything, that's the right. conversation.
1: And and I agree, and that's why I think the concept of marijuana is a gateway drug. I would say the people who say it's definitely a gateway drug are wrong and the people who say it's never a gateway drug are wrong. Anybody given the right vulnerable situation in their life can abuse something and it can lead to other things. I think same with alcohol. We would say alcohol used, uh, glass of wine with dinner, great, no mm-hmm. problem. People who are drinking a, uh, a six-pack a night just to get rid of their problems, bad. But I don't think it can be an all or nothing, and I, I'm not um, someone who likes polarity. I believe more in the middle road. So for me, I have a brother who's a psychiatrist who's vehemently opposed to marijuana, right? Mm-hmm. And we get into discussions all the time, and he sends me data on young kids becoming schizophrenic. Well, I have no doubt, if you take a a susceptible, vulnerable, developing brain and you expose it to high doses of THC for prolonged periods of time, yep, you may end up messing up some of those pathways. I have no doubt. But, of course, I would never give a teenage child huge amounts of marijuana to treat anything. I can't imagine anything that would be the right dose, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, to then say, as a correlate, no one can benefit from this drug it is short-sighted, and that's where I always get into arguments with my brother, because I say, you know, I practice this day in and day out, and and I think you have to go away from fear-mongering that mm-hmm. allowing the drug to be used in the right way is, is a bad thing. mm mm-hmm. But we have to keep out bad practitioners, practitioners who are so liberal that they give so much to the patient that the patient diverts and Mm -hmm. sells. Yeah, I think we have to be really cautious about that. But you have bad doctors that give too many uh, opiates right now, right? Mm -hmm. And people divert and sell. So it's really no different. The, The comment I would make about that is I also don't like people who want to jump to marijuana as... This is the answer to everything. Right. Because honestly, it's not. There's some
0: people listening right now because I know this is going to be a hot episode. I already know this. this
1: and is people very are important. listening
0: and they're going to be like, "Look, two doctors are talking about marijuana." No, guys, listen. We're trying to keep things very civil here. We're not we're <laughs> not just we're not just promoting marijuana to promote marijuana. So, if this is the reason you're listening, you know, we're going to we're, trying, we're going to fact check it right now. <laughs> yeah, you can fact check. So, yeah.
1: here's the fact check. If somebody comes to me and they are on fentanyl and Percocet and GABA and uh, benzos, and I see people like that all the time, and they go, I want to get off all this stuff, doc, what can I do? I say, listen, if I can get you to 50% of your current use, that's a success, okay? And they say, well, when do I stop taking my stuff? And I say no, and someone gave me this this other doctor in Florida says, well, we call it subtraction by addition. So you add the marijuana first, and then you start subtracting the other drugs. And, and then people want me to tell them, so what day do I cut my dose down and by how much? And I, at first I tried to give them a schedule of exactly how to do it, and you can find some online and whatever. Mm-hmm. But what I really find is I say, listen to your body. If your body says you need some of that opioid at that time that you've used your marijuana, but you're, you still need that, then take it. But if you don't feel like you need it just because it's 10 o'clock in the morning and you used to take it every day at 10, skip it and maybe take it at 12. And what I find is patients on their own, the first thing they do is start spacing out the time and then they start cutting down on the dose. I have had people come off everything, absolutely. But I've had many more people just come in with such a smile on their face because they say, I am taking half what I used to take. And I just feel much better about myself because, frankly, we've now created a whole pool of patients who have PTSD about the fact that they're on opiates,
2: mm,
1: yeah. right? Because we've now made everybody to feel who uses Percocet or, or hydrocodone that they're evil because they need that for their pain. But the huge problem with marijuana is it's so expensive. And so how can you go against, you know, a 30-day supply of um, Norco, which is going to run you 20, 25 bucks, versus 30 days of marijuana for $200? Mm. So what I find is the middle ground again. The reality is if we can halfway reduce your other drugs and not break your bank getting marijuana— Mm-hmm. I think it's a success. And sure, ultimately I hope the cost of marijuana comes down and mm-hmm. maybe the cost of opiates goes back up mm-hmm. and so that it becomes a little more in favor of trying more marijuana over opiates. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not going to happen quickly, especially since opiates are produced by the big pharma. Mm-hmm.
0: You you mentioned earlier that a big portion of your uh, of your patient population is you know, people between the ages of 60 and 80, how how are the, what kind of things are they benefiting the most from that patient population?
1: Well, they, I mean, listen, when you've been on this planet for 60 years, there's no question you get some aches and pains, oh, arthritis. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What are the, the the key diseases that we associate with endocannabinoid deficiency, which is what we're trying to turn around, we're trying to give you more endocannabinoids, migraine headaches irritable bowel syndrome fibromyalgia osteoarthritis yeah Yeah. and and what i find is the aging population has a lot of physical aches and pains some emotional aches and pains lack of energy Mm -hmm. um but a lot of it is because now they're on a whole host of medicines to control their aches and pains which makes them feel low energy Mm -hmm. and so my goal with my medical marijuana is to help manage their pain so they can get off some of the meds that hold them back from mm-hmm. doing more. So I'd say chronic pain is probably number one in that population. Mm-hmm. Although, remember, there are states where osteoarthritis is a diagnosis for which you can prescribe, and there are states where it's not. In my state, arthritis is not an approved up diagnosis, mm-hmm. okay. believe it or not. We do have a diagnosis that says if you as a physician feel this disease is enough like another disease state that you can justify through documentation why cannabinoids would be beneficial, you can do it. So I look at people with arthritis, and a lot of them act like MS patients or Parkinson's. They don't have those diseases, but they have motor it's not like they they have motor skill difficulty. They have neurons that are firing inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can justify their use of cannabinoids based on some of those diseases.
0: Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting thing I'm thinking of. Um, so someone coming in, people using or starting marijuana and, uh, you know, using it to alleviate some pain, some of the mental benefits that you can get from marijuana, is that... are are you feel like that it's kind of like a gateway into, you know, self betterment? Is there have you noticed any of that?
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. I wish I could quantify that for Mm -hmm. you. But I guess it's more like this. I feel better. So I feel better about myself. So I'm more willing to engage in the world. Mm -hmm. So I would say, as a secondary benefit, it's there. Mm -hmm. One thing we know about marijuana, that's it's neuroprotective. Mm -hmm. I mean, Probably, if you go back to the cancer things, there are definitely ongoing studies now, clinical studies ongoing, of treating brain tumors, glioblastoma in particular, with THC, hmm. with with good outcomes, okay? Yeah. So there's something about marijuana and the brain, since mm, overwhelmingly the CB1 receptors are in the brain. So I've got to believe that if it helps things like Parkinson's and... Tumors in the brain and ADHD and PTSD—it it's got to be doing something that's neuroprotective.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, the reason I ask this is because I've noticed how much of pain is just due to psychological pain and anxiety, depression. People carry. I feel like you know, even back pain. I'm learning so much about the psychological side of back pain. You know, we, we get these imaging, we get MRIs on people, we find something. You know, people are, um, and we're associating these findings as being the cause of their pain. And now, as we do more research, where there's more evidence showing that, you know, maybe uh, that's not the cause of pain. Because some people have really bad herniations in their, in their low back and seem to have no pain. And, you know, mm-hmm. other people have very minute findings on their MRIs and have a ton of pain and then it gets you it gets us to start thinking you know uh, the the theory now that I've been reading is that there's you know like your back can spasm and that your mind is when you're stressed or when you're hurting emotionally you are triggering those muscles then to spasm. And so like when we say it's all in your head, sometimes it's it's, it's trium- not all in your head, but it's coming from your head. It's coming from your brain. Your brain is sending the signals for you to feel the pain. And so right. like this concept, this idea is really kind of, it makes sense to me. It makes a lot oh, of sense it, to it's
1: me. Oh, it's total sense. Did you ever read the book called Healing Back Pain by I ha- Dr. Sarna?
0: I, oh. I actually have. I've uh, have I- Dr. But Andrew Weal just mentioned that in a, in a... Oh,
1: did he? Yeah. 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 So this book, is, they did this thing where they looked at MRIs of people with and without back pain, mm-hmm. and they found exactly what you said. There's no correlation between the findings on imaging and the pain, right? Mm-hmm. And there are some people where their pain does something good for them, and they have a different relationship with their pain, than other people. And you have to have a relationship with your pain. It's a fascinating book Mm -hmm. because it it dovetails with what you're saying. And I I absolutely will tell you, there's no question that emotional triggers cause physical pain. Mm -hmm. And so if you use marijuana and it's good for the emotional triggers because it's very uplifting and it makes people feel happier. Well, that may secondarily make pain go away and it's not necessarily the receptor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or it's working both receptors at the same time. I mean, it doesn't have to be all or nothing right. phenomenon, right? I
0: think there's just and, multiple things going on. You know, there's, there's the, 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 the stress relief. Maybe it's, act, it's acting a certain way chemically in the brain. It's also relaxing the muscles. And then there's also some placebo because you're also believing that you're getting better. All of these all things can be great. It yeah. is.
1: It's all that. But I do stress to patients, you know, it's so complex. It's it's a very, very difficult science because we're just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. We know there's CB1 receptors, CB2 receptors, but there are at least two or three other receptors. And there's probably many other receptors. Yeah, that probably we're some that we'll never discover. About. That's right. And everything we believe to be true is going to be known tenfold in like another 5 to 10 years. Mm-hmm. But remember the the way if you want to try marijuana to see if it helps you cuz it doesn't always help everybody. Mm-hmm. What I say to patients is we start really low, we go really slow, and I don't hesitate to say no if I think we're not going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So it's start low, go slow, and as the practitioner don't be afraid to say no. And what I find is the rule of thumb. If you don't think you're getting relief, you can go up on your dose yourself. The end points are this. If you start to feel a little high, I probably am okay with that. Because it, there's like a threshold right at which people start to feel something psychoactive, where I think the benefits are really, that's mm. when they really kick in. But between that and stoned in some people very fast. In other people, there's a big window, right? Mm-hmm. We know this. If you get all the way to stoned and your problems aren't better, I'm not sure marijuana's for you. Mm-hmm. I can try different marijuanas, different ratios. But I say to people, our end point is either you're starting to feel better or you're really stoned and can't function and you're not better. Mm-hmm. And and it's pretty simplistic because yeah. there's not a, a number to draw to say to the patient, you hit a level of 283. You have to stop now. So Mm -hmm. I just, I could talk about this for hours. (laughs) It's really, really very interesting to me. And, and I just am so excited to be a part of it. I, I do see that there's applications coming out right, left and center, some of which will end up being proven to be useless. And some will probably surprise us. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that the one thing that's just really hard for me as a doctor to get my head around is We can prescribe THC made in a lab for chemo patients, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't have a restriction on that. Although marijuana is a Schedule One, we can write things like Marinol or for MS patients. There's the drug Sativex, which is basically a one-to-one CBD-THC mouth spray for MS. Works Mm -hmm. really well. Um, And then along comes this drug called Epidiolex. So epidielex is for pediatric seizures and it's CBD.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? They just put CBD through as a Schedule 5 drug. Mm-hmm. So CBD is Schedule 5. THC and CBD in certain forms are Schedule 3, but marijuana is Schedule 1. Mm-hmm. So until we somehow can make those numbers go all the right, right. way, I think we're still going to have some problems because that's sort of the way the world feels about marijuana. Some people feel it's schedule one. Other people are like, Hey, make it schedule five. They right. can just go buy it in the drugstore basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're just not all the way evolved in the way we think about it. We mm-hmm. we will get there. Yeah. And I just encourage, I mean, how many you... things have
0: changed in just the last 10, 20 years in terms of the way, we're, I mean, if there's one thing that I know for sure, it's that we know nothing, and <laughs> like honestly, that. because it's, it's things like you know, it's I wonder how many things we're gonna say are barbaric right now in a hundred years from now, and people are gonna look back and like, look at how barbaric everybody was using all these pharmaceuticals to treat people, and well, chemo and
1: radiation. Mm-hmm. We're gonna come up that you know, immunotherapies are gonna probably.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's. Away with
1: chemo and oh, radiation, yeah, yeah. Right? That's really exciting
0: I mean, field in our area. Isn't it?
1: Oncology yeah. is very exciting. I see this as running along the same lines. But I will tell you, we have to be cautious because if you look at states like Colorado, which mm-hmm. is now fully legal, Las Vegas, California, Oregon. Okay. The good is they're bringing in a lot of money for the state. They're mm-hmm. making it easy for access for people. But the bad is a couple of things. Number one, more car crashes related to marijuana now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Marijuana isn't something you should use and drive because it does impair your perception, Absolutely. your yeah. sense of time. Okay. But fewer opiate overdose deaths for sure in states that have instituted mm-hmm. marijuana. But there's the scary, scary part, which is. Because marijuana is expensive and the availability of opiates has gone down, we're starting to see more deaths related to fentanyl, cocaine, amphetamines, all these substitute drugs Mm -hmm. that are street drugs that people are getting because they can't afford the marijuana and their body needed the opiates. And Mm -hmm. They can't afford the
0: opiates too, of course. Well, the opiates on the
1: streets are getting to be... You know, the heroin. Well, the heroin, yeah, cheap. the
0: heroin's very cheap, and that's what ends up killing a yeah, lot of people.
1: Right, and that, yeah. but we've created that because of this whole thing. But we have to be careful because to say marijuana is the answer to it all, mm-hmm. uh, I don't really think it is. I agree. I think it, it, in certain communities where people have the money to spend, it is a great exit drug for opiate dependency, Mm -hmm. you know, when you go to a detox facility and you wanna be released, there are some places now that are almost requiring patients to be Mm -hmm. on medical marijuana to leave, which I think is wonderful because it helps to mitigate against, um, Mm -hmm. you know, any of the side effects of lack of using opiates. But uh, on the other hand, the people who can't afford it, who are getting their opiates pulled away, they're going back on the street and they're finding anything that's cheap. And you know, more people are dying from mm-hmm. fentanyl, carfentanyl, um, amphetamines. It's uh, it's that's a scary thing for me as mm-hmm. a doctor to know that we really haven't made as much inroads as we thought we would do by instituting medical marijuana.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess a lot of people. I guess there's a few people that I think of when I'm when we're having this conversation, and I'm trying to think of a way to say hey you know it can be beneficial be open minded to this but at the same time if you're not using it and you're doing fine in life and you're you don't have these pains you don't have you don't have real things that you need to be treated medically i mean what's why you why don't do need it if you don't need right. to why do it i
1: mean i i would say if you think that it's there and maybe it has health benefits and i should try doing it well then just use cbd mm
2: mm-hmm. mhm Yeah,
1: because I don't know that the THC, unless you have a good diagnosis for THC, I don't know if the THC adds much more to the CBD in terms of basic health benefits.
0: Mm -hmm. This has been a great conversation. I've feel Uh, like I've learned a lot right now.
1: (laughs) Good. Well, I. We may have to have have you on here again. it would be my pleasure you know one day we'll talk about the i kind the of we should talk
0: about using. all the we should talk about all the different kinds of marijuana is and how it can help certain people
1: Yeah, so maybe we'll do a part two and we'll get in you know you can think of more specific things you want to do and we can go over it for certain
0: definitely definitely thank you so much dr melanie bone where can people find you
1: i'm located my marijuana practice in west palm beach florida And I'm on the web at www.drmelaniebone.com, D-R-M-E-L-A-N-I-E, B-O-N-E.com. And uh, certainly willing to field some calls, uh, email hello at (laughs) drmelaniebone.com.
0: Awesome. Perfect. I'd like to end the podcast with one question, and that is, what does beyond medicine mean to you? What does that evoke when you hear the word beyond medicine?
1: Oh, well, of course, the obvious things of what can we do to go beyond medicine as we know it, allopathic medicine and everything. But I like to think of it as all the other things of spirituality. And I do not like the term health, uh, wellness because I have really strong thoughts that you can be physically very unhealthy, but emotionally very healthy. And you you can be physically very healthy and emotionally very unhealthy. So I don't really talk about health through going beyond medicine, but I think a good life experience Mm. that that may not need you to be a part of allopathic medicine all the time. Because my goal would be to stop making us all go to the doctor every year like we do for no apparent reason. Very interesting.
0: I I really like this response.
1: Anyway, it's been a wonderful lot to think about.
0: A lot to think about after this conversation. Hey, podcast! Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope we brought you some practical, good advice that you can apply to your life, guys. If you could please do us the favor of sharing this, telling people about it, leaving us a comment, subscribing, all that will help us grow and will help us spread our message. Also, if you would like to support our podcast. You can go to our website and click support and it will help us grow this podcast and continue doing what we are doing and bringing you more high quality guests like the one you
2: just heard. Thank you guys. Peace.